0: welcome everyone this podcast is again every week supported by strong tower nutrition so strong tower nutrition i want to break it down for you is actually my store so it's not complicated it's a retail store so think about like gnc or vitamin shop i'm tired of those so i created mine and we've been um on the up and up for about a year and trying to get more support, trying to get you guys to understand what it is. And because we don't, I always get questions like, uh, Oh, I seen that supplement before. Well, yeah, because it's that brand. I don't create supplements. I sell them. And, uh, you go to stnutrition.com and get either run everything labs or boom, nutrition. That's all we have right now. And, uh, we're looking to, uh, get some new brands in the future. And, so, this week, Strong Tower Podcast listeners will get 20% off any BOMAR Nutrition product. Uh, right now, we only have three. We have uh, the greens. We have a digestive probiotic, which is cr- which. Is crazy how well it works. It blows my mind. Um, and then also the protein hot chocolate, which actually you can, probably the first protein I've ever had hot. Because it tastes like actual hot chocolate. Throw some marshmallows in there, and you don't even know the difference. It's crazy. So, we need your support. We need your feedback. And um, go ahead and go to uh, stnutrition.com. And you're going to type in STRONG for the 20% off uh, discount. And, yeah, guys, we just please uh, ask for the support for Strong Tower Nutrition. And that you support the podcast. And uh, just give me some feedback, let me know, let me know how it goes. If you have any uh, interest in seeing someone or, you know, whatever. (laughs) All right, thanks. So my guest this week is a high school media arts teacher, a professional photographer, a Appalachian Trail section hiker. And he also happens to be my dad. (laughs) And I appreciate him coming in. And um, because I know he's not someone that likes to talk a lot about himself. So it was interesting to hear a lot of things that he had to say on how he got started and like photography and stuff like that. And then also got to hear a lot of his feelings on... How he felt like raising me, my brother, and my sister, and uh, how difficult and different that was compared to how he was raised. So that was pretty cool. So, here he is. It's my dad, Mr. Aaron Hamrick. Welcome to the Strong Tower Podcast. I want to be in a kayak going down. Right, possibly could die. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like point to me. I mean, people don't know care how much you know until they know how much you care.
1: But like, but that's what I love about me and you is that we're both not trying to do the... So-
0: Welcome to my podcast, Dad. Oh, thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: probably the first person that called you Benjamin, aren't I?
0: Probably, probably. <laughs> no <laughs> one really calls <laughs> me. No, no she called me Bench. Okay. I think but um yeah I mean there's tons of stuff that uh we can talk about and I know other people like know you for teaching right. and stuff but I've always wanted to know about different uh things with you with photography All right. and like for one where did that interest even come from
1: oh definitely from my dad granddad, Your okay. granddad. yeah um, yeah, he was always taking pictures. I mean, all the slides we have all Australia, you know, I mean, we have hundreds of slides. He's actually in the process now of trans. Tra- uh, what do you call it? Putting them onto digital, making them digital, transferring them to digital. So, um, I don't know if he's got to the, yeah, I guess he has got to the Australian ones. Did you see the picture? Did he The put one in on Facebook? On Facebook? Yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That's kind of he- like an iconic family picture.
0: So were those in black and white before, or oh, did he no, change no. them to, oh.
1: No, they were slides. So he shot oh, slides. Yeah, okay, so he shot slides. I mean, so like, that's
0: the natural. That's the the color that was with yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little
1: more blue. Okay, um, I thought he doctored it a little bit. He actually took some of the blue out. He said so. It's not as blue as it was before. Right, but it's definitely from him. He he always took pictures all the time, and I think one of the first cameras I had was a little Kodak Instamatic camera. Um, I don't even know if you would know what that looks like, but um, I remember. I always took. I was the kid in my youth group that always take pictures. So yeah. we would go to youth activities. We go to camps, especially camps. Nowadays, everybody's got a camera, obviously, because they're phones. But back then, only just a couple people, kids especially, would have cameras. But I was always the one with the camera all the time because my dad always had the camera. Yeah. So a hundred percent, my photography came from him, and um, you know, sitting around. Some of my best experiences as a kid, my memories as a kid, was sitting around. Mom would make popcorn, you know, the old-fashioned way. It wasn't through a uh, microwave. Right, <laughs> um, and, you yeah, know, yeah. It was with the oil and, you know, and all that and pop. And so we'd sit and watch slides, and I just remember the hum of the slide projector, the fan, and just being dark and seeing our pictures big on screen. And the great thing about slides is they're just as good now as they were back then when they were taken. Right. So, um, like that picture on Facebook, I mean, it, it looks like somebody could have shot that digitally. It does, you know, yeah, yeah. Because it's so sharp. There was a couple dust spots on it I saw. Yeah. I didn't tell Granddad. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just because, you know, dust settles on stuff. But but yeah, so that's definitely where I got my start.
0: So would you use his cameras or did you...
1: Well, one of the first, and he always talks about this camera called a Voigtländer. And I think he got it from Uncle Andy. I think Uncle Andy got it from uh, Germany. So I think it came directly from Germany because he was in the Army and yeah. spent some time in Germany. I think that's the story. I'm sure my dad will correct me if right. it's But I think he got it from Uncle Andy. And um, it was a rangefinder. So I just explained this to somebody last night, a rangefinder, you're not looking right through the lens. You're actually looking through a little um, viewfinder. So the lens is going this way. The viewfinder is going this way. So Ooh. sometimes... You know it's off center a little bit, mm-hmm. so you kind of had to be mindful for that and make sure you put the lens. But it was film, of course. You know, back then everything was film, there's no digital. Um, and it was uh, it had kind of a light meter inside of it, but it was uh, it was really old fashioned leather case that snapped on the back. And so I used that. I remember going to camps and taking that old, you know, Voigtländer camera. I don't know what year it was, it was probably maybe 50s, maybe. I oh, wow. you know, mean, in the 50s, 40s maybe. I don't know how, how old it was. But yeah, so I used to, I used that camera. I remember using that little Kodak and Stomatic camera. And then when I was I was probably middle school, probably barely middle school. Yeah, because I was living in Penn Acres then. So I had to be in middle school, probably seventh grade or something like that. I got my own camera. And that was my, my very first camera that was just mine. And so they got it for me for Christmas. And it was a Yashica. It was a rangefinder as well. Um, it was more up to date, but um, and the light meter, it just had like lights on it. It had like a green light if it was a good exposure, a red light if it was a yeah, you know if it was a bad exposure or whatever. And I didn't know anything about shutter speed and all that. I just knew I had to make sure it was on the green light, so right. I just moved the dial. Um, so that was my first one, and I had that for man, I had that all the way till I was in college when I got my first DSLR. All right. So Grandad had an Olympus OM One. Nobody probably cares about all this stuff. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But Granddad had an Olympus OM-1. He got in 1975. I remember we were living in Rob Scott, and I remember he showed me this advertisement, a magazine for this camera. You know, he was all excited about it, and I didn't know anything about cameras back then. I was right. like, oh, it looks great, Dad. <laughs> it looks <laughs> you know, <it's> cool. Whatever. <laughs> but now I still, I don't use it to take pictures, but I use it as a demonstration camera in my, fo- in my photography class. It so just last week. Pulled the lens off, showing about aperture, I talk about shutter speed with that camera and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so I got an Olympus OM two, which was definitely, you know, an upgrade from that Mm -hmm. in, I don't know, 85, 86, something like that. So that was my first SLR camera and I beat the crap out of that thing. And it's, I still show that to my kids, but it doesn't work. You can't even like wind it or anything because I just put it through the ringer. So that was my, that's when I really got serious when I got that OM two. It was an OM2S. The S was, were for spot meter, and a spot meter was a big deal back then because it would meter just a little tiny bit. So like yeah. if you were shooting a concert and a spotlight, you know, literally was on the person, it wouldn't take in consideration the background mm-hmm. um, for the exposure. So it would just take an exposure right where that little dot was. Uh, so that was kind of a big deal yeah. for me. And then I went on to get history of my cameras. <laughs> then I went on to get an OM4 Titanium body, which is really cool.
0: Now, what year was this when you, got, when you got...
1: I think I was probably married. Yeah, I was out of college. I think I probably was married when I had that because that was stolen. I had my camera bags under my desk at school when I was at Newcastle. And um, it was there on Friday, came back on Monday, and it wasn't there. Well, they use our rooms for Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Actually, they didn't use my room normally. So I... Uh, the one time, it, yeah. Yeah, probably would have put it in a closet, but they... Um, they used my room for Sunday school and I think somebody took it, somebody stole it for sure so I had to call the cops and stuff and they came and, and so I got um, I used our insurance our mm-hmm. home insurance covered it and um, but some of that stuff in there was like what's that word, like real personal to you you know, it had like that sentimental va- sentimental value, yeah. right um, but I got over that so yeah, yeah. so I was able to you know write that off and um and get money from it from the insurance and so then I went to Canon. I had a friend at college that he was always into Canon. His pictures always look so good. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'll go Canon. You know. So um and that's so I've been Canon ever since.
0: now that's what was it. the price range like for those the old those ones that you first started with? Man, I, like,
1: think like that Voigtländer. I have no idea or or any of those. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, it was film cameras, so they weren't near as expensive as what the digitals are today. okay. Plus, it was 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I should look it up sometime. I don't know what the prices were. I can't even give you a guess.
0: And it's crazy. Like, um, like now, you don't even have to. Like, I, got, I just kind of like went out of my way to learn shutter speed and aperture because you don't really have to. Know that stuff,
1: don't have to, yeah. But you know what I mean? If you really want to control your images, right? You and if you want to know, light, what, right? And not even just controlling the light, if you want to control the movement in your pictures, you know, yeah. to know about shutter speed and what shutter speed is going to stop motion and mm-hmm. what's going to blur it, I think that's really important. Oh, yeah. Um, so I teach that when I teach my digital photography class. Is that like one of the first things it's, that you it's yeah. one, it's close. I teach um, composition first because they can do that with their iPhone, you know? mm-hmm. but um then I definitely teach shutter speed and aperture and it bores the kids you could tell you can just tell it in their faces sometimes they are like oh man you know but I keep telling them all the time it's so important it's so important to learn yeah
0: I think um, because it was boring for me too but then when I saw I think I watched like a YouTube video and the dude was showing differences the differences he would like change the aperture and change the shutter speed and different and I was like oh okay now I started understanding it more you know And but if someone's just like if I'm just reading it, I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. you, you know? got to see
1: the difference. And that's what I do. You know, I show photos, obviously. Yeah. And I take photos myself. We'll take the kids in the studio, and I'll show them about depth of field. So I'll shoot it like, you know, F1.4. Mm-hmm. And I incrementally move it up to, like, F22. Yeah. And you can see how the the blurriness, you know, changes and all that kind of stuff in yeah. the depth of field. And that's where I think they get a little bit more interested. Because I tell them all the time, it, there's a lot of technical stuff to photography, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there just to be technical. It's there to help your creativity, and the, you can be so much more creative if you know all the technical parts right. of doing the camera. So, um, anyway, that's I get excited about that stuff. But yeah. you know, most people, you know, some of the kids take my classes. They're just there because just to take just it, to right? Take a class because they get an art credit for it. So oh, they yeah. might not want to take art class. So they take my class. <laughs> but there are some kids that really want to be into <laughs> photography, and I've taught a lot of kids that have actually used it and made money and, and
0: there's tons of kids that yeah. didn't even do that stuff um like i talked to leslie manning like right. she's doing it professionally well not professionally i guess but like yeah, for professional profession yeah, you, you get paid for it i mean she gets paid for money it. for weddings and yeah. you know and,
1: and family shoots and portraits and all that kind of stuff yeah she does yeah. it professional and, um, right, and i never even taught her that stuff exactly <laughs> taught her math yeah but,
0: i think she yeah. said she took like a um when you did the darkroom oh, stuff did she take that i think class? she did it one oh, classroom yeah. like that yeah um, I'll take credit for Then yeah. <laughs> She's good. She does a good job. Yeah. And uh so what would you say since everyone's using the smartphones and stuff like that now and using filters and how does does that help or does that hurt like the photography world?
1: Uh it, it can go both ways. I mean, it puts puts cameras in everybody's hands, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. I think that's a great thing that everybody's got cameras, you know? Yeah. I mean, if there's a news story that breaks, there's always video with it or at least pictures with it because somebody's shooting it Mm -hmm. with a cell phone. So I think it's helpful, but there's a lot, a lot of terrible pictures that are being shared that even 30, 40 years ago with film, they're a lot more careful. Mm-hmm. They're more not everybody, obviously, but most people are more careful because you only have so many pictures, and it costs money every time you click the button. It costs money, yeah. And um, so you're a little more careful. We're at right now, and I'm guilty of this myself. That you're not as careful. You know, you just what's what's the phrase they say? Um, I, I'll think of it later. But you just
0: you just like kind of snap it and uh, uh, pray, hope pray, for the best. Spray and pray. Spray and pray. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Cause you just and you just hope you get a good picture, and oh, it's yeah, easy yeah. to do that because yeah, yeah. it doesn't cost any money, you know. You just delete the bad pictures, and, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can get a great, great picture that way. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I grew up shooting film, teaching film, and all that stuff, developing black and white. And, um, a lot of people that are in my spot, you know, they stay old school and they get real cranky, like, ah, it wasn't. They don't learn a new stuff. It's never the same. You know, it's better back in my day, but it's not. Digital is so much. I would not, I mean, I loved shooting film, especially black and white because you had so much control in the dark room and stuff like that. I love that. But it's so much more work, you know, and more expensive. I mean, it's crazy, you know, how much the film costs and then the processing costs, you know, making the prints because nobody's going to walk around looking at negatives, you know? Right. So I'm, super happy with digital. I mean, I love it. Yeah.
0: So. Cause then I was thinking, cause it kind of opens up, like you said, like there's so many bad pictures and then people trying to uh, pawn themselves off is like this, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's tons of wedding photographers that probably,
1: right. you know, now I've not seen a wedding photographer shoot with a cell phone yet. You know, and yeah. people, every once in a while people mention to me, you know, Oh, you don't even need those big cameras anymore with the cell phones and how good they are today. And I, and I just like, well, yeah, nah, that's not true. Because right you know I, I was talking to somebody last night and they said well the best phone the best phone is the phone that you have or something like that or not phone but the best camera, camera that you have is is the one in your hand you know yeah that's true to a certain extent but you're not going to go to a wedding right and oh you yeah a cell phone because right you know because especially with reception and stuff like that i've used external flashes and you can't hook all that stuff up all oh, the phone you know?
0: flashes it's probably one of the things yeah, i hate the, the most
1: flash. yeah oh yeah there's no way even if you have like a, a Nice professional flash on your camera. Yeah, that's even a no no to yeah. professional photographers if that's your only light source. You know? Right. Um. So, sure. Um. Digital's. I mean, the phones are great, but they haven't caught up. And I don't know if they'll. I don't know if photographers will ever use a cell phone as the one camera. No, I doubt for a wedding, it. You know. Yeah. Now mirrorless is a different story. Mirrorless is right. coming and mirrorless is definitely going to take over i mean dslrs are on their way yeah for sure um and i'm gonna have to get on board i guess mm-hmm. but it cost <laughs> costs a lot of money <laughs> and i don't have a ton of money to spend right. on that yes. kind of stuff but
0: um so what was your first uh like entrance entrance into video, so you were big into like taking pictures and stuff. But what made you like get into video?
1: I remember exactly when it was. It was at Uncle Nelson's house, okay, and he had a video camera, um, like one of the big you, ones. Like yeah, one the one foot on your shoulder. Yeah, it was a, it was a RCA, it was a RCA, RCA. camera, right? Stick on your shoulder, and the viewfinder you saw black and white. Jesus. You saw black and white inside the viewfinder, um, and I remember he had it and. I just started messing around with it and I loved it. I was shooting everything that weekend. You know, I don't know if I was using his tapes or what, you know, the big VHS tape oh, yeah. would go in it. And, um, and I just loved it. And I was like, wow, this is like photography, you know? And yeah. so I was trying to do a lot of the same compositions that I would do with photography, but doing it with video and right. different angles and things like that. So that definitely got me into it. And then at church, um, we ran two, sometimes three cameras for the church service. And they were these, big cameras they weren't like professional TV cameras but they were the kind you put on your shoulder kind of thing but they were SVHS cameras which is supposed to be slightly better than the regular VHS I don't know how much better they were but um, but so I shot a lot of stuff with that um, at church and I don't know just took off from there and then then when you were born <laughs> I got I, I used granddad's camera at first but then it wasn't long after that that um I bought my own it was a Hitachi camera and I got it from actually where Heather works there was a there was some kind of store down that road whatever that name of that road is okay yeah um so I remember going and buying it and it had this one thing it used to be those old cameras like the one Nelson had um when you would stop and start it you would get this kind of like rainbow kind of effect it wasn't like a clear cut you know yeah, yeah you know it's really old school but um, the camera that I got, that's what it was known for, to not give you that rainbow. So when you cut, you know, when you stopped and started, you would have a nice clean cut. Now we just take it for granted. We just assume you're always going to get a clean cut. Yeah. Back then, you didn't. You got that little, I don't know what you call it, but that little rainbow kind of right. a look for like split second. But it was enough to not look professional. And mm-hmm. So anyway, I got that camera. And- and that's that's when I got it when you were born not long. Then you after, just started filming long. me for hours, oh, just yeah. bouncing in the chair. I was filming and... before <laughs> you were born with granddad's camera. We went to the hospital. You've seen that one, right? When yeah. My, my mom's waiting. To, well, your mom. She's at the door with a suitcase in hand, and I'm filming. Okay, we're getting ready to go to the hospital. At,
0: did you? Time. Did it have like a setting on the camera, or did you do this in like like in the future? Because like, it was like a time lapse type thing. Or was it fast forwarded? No, it was fast forwarded. It was just fast forwarded. Like on the way to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, yeah. Yeah, because
1: yeah. yeah, I ran it the whole time. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> driving in the car. With, now I wasn't looking through the viewfinder. You just um, had it set on I just head head. had it on my shoulder. Tag, oh. Right? And then I would turn it to your mom. Say, hey, how you feeling? She'd get that camera out of my face. <laughs> so I'd come back to the... But it was, you know, it was my first kid. Actually, I did it with all three of them. Right. You know, of you guys. And... um yeah, I just wanted to be able to remember what it was like. And, and looking back, damn, I don't look at it every day, obviously, but every once in a while, you know, if I look back on it, it's just so cool to see, you know, just driving down the road and seeing things that have changed and things that are the same. And,
0: and how, like, just, you didn't even know how much ahead of the times that you were, like, doing that.
1: Yeah, I was kind of like a Because a of vlog, and, like a vlog people right, person. it was like you know a know vlogger I mean? and nobody was doing that. Yeah, kind of no stuff, one does right? would have done that. And know? nobody saw it. I mean, only probably a handful of people in the world have ever seen those videos, yeah. you know, but I just want to, I just wanted to record history. I think that's, I think that's why I like photography so much mm-hmm. is because my, I got a terrible memory and I like to be able to remember stuff that happened yeah. and to me. The best way to remember things that happen is by looking at the pictures and looking at the video and the sound, the sound is incredibly important mm-hmm. I think, you know, to hear. I came across a tape um, just the other day, something I made when I first went to college I don't know if I'm ever going to let anybody listen to it. Cause I was such you a. Sound. <laughs> I was trying to sound, I don't know what I was doing. I, I don't know if I really talk like that or what, but I was trying to sound, I don't know, like tough, Smart. Street-wise, oh, t- you know, like, you know, I was using all this slang, you know, yeah. stuff that I would never do mm-hmm. today. It was just, it, you know, I was a freshman in college. It sounded like I was a middle school kid or something. Right. Right. But it's funny. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to hear myself like that because I would have never remembered that. So I just think history is so important, family history, knowing mm. where you come from and all that kind of thing. Oh yeah. And I think pictures and video and audio, you know, have a lot to do with remembering your history and passing it down. And that's why even when you were born, I actually put I had pre-recorded on the VCR. I recorded all these different shows, shows that I liked at the time. Even news programs—I don't even you probably never even seen this video. Um, but I recorded it so that the day that you were born, you could look back on it and see what was on the news, what was on TV, oh, and all wow. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I never seen that. It's like crazy. David Letterman's on there. It was actually—I think I did it the day after you were born because I meant to do it the night before, oh. and we were in such a rush to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's April 11th instead of the 10th, but it's one day, you know. So I don't know if you've ever seen. You probably never seen I've never before. seen it. I mean, you probably faster most, fast forward most of it. But, I mean, to see the news and see what David Letterman looked like, because I was watching him all the time back then, yeah. you know. So anyway, I think that's kind of cool.
0: No, but I'm very grateful for that because I love looking back and seeing that, and seeing right. those things, and seeing, like, the little videos that we used to do when we were little, and I'm just like, oh, what? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something that, like, I would want to, like, I want to have for, like the future, because you know, Heather doesn't have any of that stuff for with her growing up too much. And um I could probably find like every second of what I live, <laughs> just you about, know, pretty you much more growing than up. even
1: the other two. I mean, I have video of the other right because I was the first, but but the other two, you're in all those as well, yeah, because you know, because you're around,
0: yeah. You right. probably find me more like sitting around, and then Alyssa's like reading her, like even doing our homework, like her cameras in our face, right. You know that's why I get so surprised when like Alyssa is like so standoffish, because a cam like I have a camera around oh, or something. Right. She grew up with it. And I'm like you had face. one in your face the whole yeah, time, your whole life. You right. know, and then um, and that's why I think I'm into it now. Like right. I'm not as good as like at pictures as like you, Granite or Joff, but I love video. I right. love doing video and uh, the technology stuff and doing this podcast like audio, getting into audio yeah. and stuff like that. And, um, like when we go to Disney, like it's like for like a story I had, I, uh, I was filming and, um, a lady was like, why don't you put that down? And so you can remember this, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, and I turned around, I was like, I'm doing this so I can go home and remember this. Exactly. You know what I mean? No, I'm not doing every single minute, you know, but there's times that I want to record because I want to remember it more than just that time. Sure. Like, and I understand that because there's some people that have their phones that are like- record, trying to record every single thing right I'm like, okay, you gotta know what to do, like what to record, what not to record, that mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, but um I think that's something that I just love about uh video, and then like even these things, we can go back and listen to even what I sound like to right. what we talked about, but like
1: remember we talked and about what you that? sound like is so important because it's such a lost art. Not art, but because everybody's got pictures, you know. Yeah. But to hear what you sounded like at certain ages mm-hmm. is just huge, I think. I think it's really cool.
0: Yeah, because you don't think you sounded any different like when you were in high school. But if I right. listen to something when I was in high school, I was like, what? Right. I thought I sound like I do now, but, I, but you don't. Right. You know? You may talk a different way. Like, I probably sound more white now because I'm out <laughs> yeah, of the hood. Right. but. <laughs> but um
1: that's funny because you know i was telling you about in college when i was talking like that and i i probably sounded more like in the hood kind of sound you know than i do yeah. now i don't know why maybe it was just a i thought i was being cool i guess yeah i don't <laughs> know i mean i'm no cool guy now but i was really pretty nerdy back then too so
0: <laughs> no i mean even heather tells me like uh I think it was just cause of who I grew up around. Like we didn't right. live in a bad area, or we, you still live there, but, um, but I think it was just the kids that like came down, you know, right. and always from came to right from the apartments, to, and, right, from the apartments yeah. and all those things. Right. And I think uh, I just started just picking that up because I think sure. I think that's what people mistake for me, sounding like I'm from Texas. Like it's more like that, uh, like a black person sounds. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And um, I think a lot of times that just uh, comes out of me, especially when I get mad. It really comes out.
1: But what I remember is my mom telling me, when we lived in Australia, uh, we lived there for two years, and um, as you well know, (laughs) and um, I was out in the yard. This probably wasn't long after we'd gotten there. I was out in the yard, and my mom just heard Australian accents, all the kids playing and stuff. Mm -hmm. She just heard Australian kids, and this is what I remember from my mom telling me, and she went out there, she didn't know that I was out there because she didn't hear my voice or my accent. Right. And I was just playing and talking just like they were. Uh-huh. And then when I would come in the house, I would switch to an American accent, but I had no idea what I was doing, yeah. but you adapt, you know, you adapt to where you are. Um, so there's a lot of people that, you know, they, live up here and they got a real northern accent and then they go down south they live like uncle jake you know mm-hmm. he, he didn't sound that southern i'm sure when he lived in delaware but when we went down there man he sounded like he was from georgia sound like know? will yeah yeah exactly so you know you adapt you know because you want to fit in That's, yeah. everybody wants to fit in there's nothing wrong with that you know i don't think at all no no but when you get older you don't adapt, especially your, your voice. Right. Cause you, know, because, you just, you already have had well, it like for Mrs. so long. Blackman, you know, she probably, she's been in Delaware way longer than she lived in North Carolina. Okay. But she has definitely not lost that North Carolina accent. Right. You know? And so I think when you get to a certain point, you kind of keep your accent you don't change it. And I think when I came back to the States, I went right back into an American accent. I think that's what I understand anyway. Yeah. Cause when you're speaking, you don't, realize it right because i had no idea i was speaking in a, an australian accent compared to an american accent i had no idea yeah but, but right now i couldn't even fake an australian accent no more than anybody else Any yeah an american could fake one you know
0: i did catch myself um because sometimes i don't know why i do it but like sometimes if i'm talking to someone i'll say a word or something like they say it uh, right you know right. what i mean and yeah. i was like wait well, i don't talk like that why <laughs> can i say that right You know, um, but when we were talking to the Australian girl in Disney Mm -hmm. and we had a pretty good, solid, long conversation with her, you know, and uh, I was I said something like she did. And I was like, wait, to myself, I was like, why did I say it like that? You know, but um, speaking of Australia, I was going to I've always wondered, like, do you miss playing Australian football?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I miss being that young. (laughs) <laughs> to play oh, yeah, that's anything, yeah. to tell you the truth. But yeah, I tell you, I, I told somebody the other day, I, I, I think Australian football was my favorite sport of any to play. Yeah. I mean, I played, you know, I didn't play sports all that well, but I played all kinds of different sports, you know, basketball and soccer, played football, you know, for yeah. a while. Um, played roller hockey, you know, out on the street and all that kind of thing. But out of all my sports, Australian football was always my favorite just something about the kicking. I think, because when I lived in Australia, you know, that's all we did. Instead of instead of going out in the yard or the street and throwing a ball with your dad, you would kick the ball with your dad. Yeah. You know, or your friends. And so, we always kicked. We always kicked. And I was pretty good at it for some reason. I never had any kind of arm at all. I got a rag arm. But, but kicking, I could kick pretty far. And when I came to the States, you know, and then I started playing Australian football when I was an adult, you know, people saw how far I could kick. You know, you just... Kind of kept that you know kept that with me all those years and um you know i was good at it And whatever you're good at you know yeah you it's kind of clean. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so i was pretty decent at it and um but it was fun i just i love the the physicalness mm-hmm. of it you know i like getting hit <laughs> you know yeah. i couldn't hit people very hard but i could yeah. take a hit mm-hmm. even when i was a little kid playing football back you know behind the, our house we had this parkland and um, we'd play tackle all the time. And I, I could always take a hit. I just couldn't dish it out <laughs> because they were always bigger than I was. But um, I was always kind of proud of that, that I could get hit and get back up and yeah. play again. And that's what I loved about it. And it's just free and open field, you know. And I don't know. And plus, it probably just the, the memories of being in Australia and playing in Australia, I think probably had a lot to do with me enjoying yeah. playing Australian rules.
0: Like even though you were very little, did any of it like come back to you? Yeah, in fact, because you were dribbling the ball pretty. You, yeah, pretty I well. To the
1: first practice, so the Australian rules thing started. I watched on Fox Sports World, which I don't think it exists now. It was on cable. They would they started showing Australian rules football like once or twice a week, and usually like eleven o'clock at night. So I would put it, I'd tape it on the VCR and watch it and that kind of thing. And then one night, one day they. Came up, hadn't seen this before. They said, "If you want to play Australian girls football in America, go to this website." So I went to the website and saw they had a team in Philadelphia, and I thought, "Well, I'll go and just watch a game." So I emailed the coach and I told him, "You know, I lived in Australia for two years and I played a little bit when I was a kid." Not thinking at all that I would actually be playing for this team, yeah. and um, so I uh, he, he's like, "Hey, we got we got a they call it training. They don't call practice. Mm-hmm. So we, we got a training night." On Wednesday, I think I'm emailing him on a Monday. So here's my time lapse here. So on, on Monday, um, I wrote him and he said, come out to Wednesday practice, Wednesday training. So I did and um, even got on TV, Fox or Comcast. Oh, I Pete or yeah, whatever it was called. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they had this um, thing on there and I got, actually got on TV my very first practice of that. And it's right in Philadelphia. It's right in this, in the schoolyard, you know, like field and... Um, You know, people are walking by, um, breaking bottles, and the sirens are going off, and just all (laughs) kinds of stuff. But it was cool because one over here, like, there were dudes playing rugby. There was a basketball court. Some other kids were, I don't know, probably doing drugs. Who knows what was going on? But, you know, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I thought, this is cool. I love this because I love Philadelphia and I love being out there. And I felt like I was really in Philadelphia. And then I started dribbling the ball because I hadn't met anybody yet. And I grabbed a ball, sitting there, and I started dribbling it. And the coach came up to me. He says, "Are you Aaron?" You know, because I was new. And he's, I'm like, "Yeah." He says, "Oh, I can tell you've played before because I'm dribbling it." You know, and I, you know, Australian football is oblong. It's yeah. You know, it's not that easy. If you give an Australian football to any American and you tell them to dribble, usually it yep. bounces and bounce, it goes the other yeah, way. It, it, it bounces climb, away yep. from you. But I was running and dribbling with it, so he knew that I had played before. So that definitely and even the style of kicking the ball, like a lot of punters in the NFL kick this way where they yep. put the point down yep. now. Even the American guys yep. tend to do that. They always call it rugby style. I hate that. But the rugby guys do. There's a lot of things the well, rugby guys do kick like that though too.
0: Yeah, but most of the time they usually say Australian But yeah. Yeah. But
1: but usually they'll say, Oh, he's kicking he's kicking that ball rugby style, you know, is what they say. Yeah, but yeah. most of the guys that are punters that are not American are usually Australian. Yeah. And so anyway, the you know, I, I remember how to kick like that and stuff and I forgot all the rules though. Right. So my, um, the very first game. So let's go through the timeline again. So Monday I made the email Wednesday. I went to practice and that Saturday, Saturday, <laughs> that Saturday played my first game.
0: Was it I, a Metro? or Was it a regular no, game? It was a regular oh. game. We Ooh. didn't even
1: have Metro league back then. Oh, so it was in the Bronx in New York. Right. Oh, geez. And I didn't know anybody. You know, I just, just said hi to the guys. yeah know, I didn't really know anybody except for the coach. And um, so I drove myself, you know, and it's just so weird for me to think that I would do this because I was always so shy. I would never want to go out of my little box, you know, but here I am, driving to the Bronx, which I've never been to before. And um,
0: Did you have to like talk yourself into it, or you were just, you were nah, just gearing was, to go? I was excited. When I oh, okay. said there
1: was a game, I'm like, yeah, man, I'll play. You know, yeah. And I didn't think I was going to play. So, so I got up there, and I'm looking around. There's, it was at some park. I forget the name of the park. But um, there was all kinds of stuff. There was guys playing cricket. There was guys playing rugby. There was all kinds of American football, like flag football going on. There were all kinds of stuff going on. And so I finally found the Australian guys. And I said, are you guys with Philadelphia? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. He says, oh, you were at practice the other night. You were training. I'm like, yeah. So anyway, I found my guys, and we went and we played. I brought my video camera, right? Because I was like, I want to record this. Because I thought there's no way they're going to play me. I went to one practice. yeah, And um, so, like, it's probably halfway through the first quarter. He's like, Aaron, come on in. Right? I'm like, what? So I gave the camera to some girl that was sitting there. I was like, hey, can you try to film me? Just push this button, you know? And um, so I'm like, okay, coach, where do I go? He says, go out the left back pocket. I'm like, okay. So I start, I saw the guy coming in, right? And I run it, I'm running out. I have no idea where left back pocket is. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I figured I was defense because back. You right. Know? So I asked the guy that was playing next to me on our team and who I became actually pretty decent friends with, you know, throughout that that time playing. I was like, I'm playing left back pocket. What am I supposed to do? He says, see that guy? Don't let him get the ball. I'm like, okay, I can do that, right? So I was playing, I figure I was playing defense. Right. And, um, so I played, I think I played the whole rest of the game. I don't think I came out in the rest of that game, I don't think. But it was awesome, man. It was in the middle of the summer, it was probably July, and um, it was hot. The ground was like concrete. It felt like concrete, and I just got beat up. My My legs were all scraped up, you know, yeah. elbows by getting tackled on the ground, and and I made a couple marks, which is a catch. Yep. You catch a ball in the air, it's a mark. So I made a couple marks, had a few ke- or kicks. I was playing defense, so I didn't come close to a goal. But um, I was I was hooked, man. After that, I was like, this is definitely for me. We went out to a pub <laughs> afterwards, and I'm not a pub guy, right. you know, <laughs> as you know. Um, but I just wanted to be part of the teams. So I order a Coke, you know, and... But it was cool I got to meet that was the best part because that's where you really got to meet everybody and everybody mm-hmm. was really friendly to me you know, hey you got to come back out and all that kind of stuff and um that was it so I played three years that was in 01 when I played so that was a long time ago so I was yeah I was 30 what six I was 36. Um, but I was still one of the older guys on the team. There was a couple yeah, yeah. guys older, but not many. And so I was like one of the old men on the team, and I was thirty six now.
0: I didn't know uh, it was that far. I didn't think I didn't know I played that far away from when you played.
1: yeah, do you remember what year you played?
0: Oh eight oh nine. I know I was eighteen or nineteen because okay. I was still in high school, right? I think you were. Yeah, I
1: think you were yeah, I think you were.
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I wanted to – I remember when I got my concussion, I wanted to go to a party that night. Oh, and okay. I was like, no, what? You just got a concussion. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. I remember but, that. That was something. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, I mean, seeing, I think, how much you liked it made me want to play that. Right. You know, and, like, the tackling and all that kind of stuff. And plus, I always like doing something different right. than the people – you know what I mean? I think that's like, part of
1: it for me too, just the fact. Yeah,
0: it it's something different. Like, it's right. not American football, and people are you're asking your asking questions, and you're just like, what? Right. You know. And then, um, like, I tried to do MMA that time too, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be different. Yeah. You know, and um, the only thing I wish I wish I could play that to like my full potential. Right. You know, I don't think I got to. Yeah. I think I was so I oh, was absolutely. always so scared. Right. You know, even though, like the whole time, it, like I was just nervous, like. And um, I couldn't do what I was I wanted to do. Like I would know I was faster than everyone, Right. but when you had to, since I couldn't dribble, right. I had to touch the ball to the ground. It slows you down. Oh my gosh! And
1: that's why the rules in there. Yeah. To let the other guys catch up to you, make it. More yeah, it sucks. You
0: know? <laughs> but um, but then after the concussion, I just wasn't playing. No, was, yeah. It just wasn't the same.
1: We got that on film or on. Uh, Still photos. Yeah, the actual. Still photos and video. Yeah, the actual. <laughs> have, yeah, the actual. Tackle. I didn't was shooting video, right? Yeah. And then I took a picture, and I think I got like the guy picking you up in the air, and then Granite's got, yeah, got a slamming you down on your head.
0: And a penalty got called on me, cause I <laughs> okay, pass cold, it out, cause I, you're holding the ball. cause I threw it. Yeah. Oh, you threw it. Yeah, oh, okay. I didn't hand pass it. Right, right. And um, I was like, "Dang, going. Right. I know. <laughs> man. I can remember the rules, but." Uh, Yeah, I just remember it hurting really bad, but I was like, I just got right back up. Yeah. And then after that, don't remember it then.
1: Yeah, because, yeah. (laughs) Well, I remember Granddad came to me. He said, you got to go speak to your son. I think there's something wrong. So I went over there, and you're saying all this gibberish stuff. I can't even remember exactly what you're saying, but I was like, that doesn't make sense. So I have a friend, Ryan, who played with me when I played. He Mm -hmm. was still on the team. Yeah, He's not a doctor, but he kind of. He was in he was a nurse or he something. He was in like, he? sports medicine in college. I don't know. Exactly. I thought he was
0: like a nurse or something. Yeah. Like a male nurse.
1: I don't think he was a nurse, but he um but anyway, I asked him, I said, Go talk to my son, see what he's and he's like, Aaron he says, He's got a concussion for sure. He doesn't know where he is. He says, You better take him to the hospital. So we left the game before it was over and yeah drove you to Delaware. And it's that's where time. that's where
0: I woke up in the car. Oh, really? That's so where you, I came to in the car. Because right. so I didn't remember. Even know. Yeah, I had no idea. But you and were like,
1: you were awake. You were walking and talking and stuff. So it's not like you were like knocked out. Yeah, that's
0: why I was crazy. Like, it was crazy. My body was like on autopilot or something. Right. I was like, it's so weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've never had a concussion, so I have no idea what it. <laughs> what yeah. It felt like.
0: And I remember too, like, um, because I think I just talked to you about this. Like, we go, we went somewhere before the hospital. I think.
1: I don't didn't recall. We I don't went really
0: somewhere, know. I don't know. We went somewhere and we were sitting in the waiting room and, you know, like Australian football, we got the short shorts right, on right. <laughs> I got my spandex out, I'm muddy <laughs> and I'm um, probably bleeding on my knees or whatever right. and I'm sitting there like, uh, you know, yeah. and um, I just remember people staring at me and I just didn't care. <laughs> right. Like, I just wanted to go to sleep. Yeah. That's all I remember.
1: Well, that's what I remember Ryan saying, don't let him fall asleep. Yeah, and that's what so I woke we up to was you to, telling me that. Right, we were trying to keep you awake so that you wouldn't fall asleep. But yeah,
0: but I didn't throw up or anything like you usually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting.
0: <laughs> but now you got your like your new thing like in hiking. Yeah. Is that as exciting as like nah, a sport? It's not
1: as exciting, but it's something that I can do for a lot more years than playing Australian football. Yeah, and it's some that's again it's
0: sick. something different and it's something that you have to yeah. yourself. You know, and then, you know, experience.
1: Yeah, I, I was talking to my friend Luke last night about hiking, and I tried it because I think I really bore people <laughs> with my hiking stories. But for me, it's exciting for me, so I like to talk about it. Um, but I don't I don't remember, like, a particular time where I was like, hey, I'm going to be a hiker, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think um, Luke, Ah. Um, oh, can't believe I forget his last name. He was at Red Lion. He was a student of mine. I know who was talking about. I forget his last name too. Oh, I can't believe I forget his last name. Anyway, he um, he talked about uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail, and it's like it was a spur of the moment thing, because th- his his brothers and sisters were real like earthy type people, you mm-hmm. know, and they wanted to um to you know be in nature and all that kind of stuff. And so he said, "Oh yeah, well, I walked like a week on the Appalachian Trail." I'm like, "What? So you didn't train for it or any, you know?" He says, no, nah, I just went out there. You know, of course, when you're in high school, you can do that kind oh, of yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, yep. right. So, and it, actually, his brother actually died on the trail. Um, his older brother. Um, just recently? N- well, no, back then. Uh, it's okay. been several years. it uh, a okay. bunch of years, actually. Um, I can't believe I forget his last name. It's Taryn. And
0: Taren. his sister's named Aaron. Yeah. And she was a soccer player. Yeah, yeah I know who you're talking I just can't remember her last name. Oh, man, Thomas no Thomas. No, I'll get it in a second.
1: Lewis. Louis, Luke, Luke Lewis. Yeah, Lewis, yeah. Yeah, Lewis, right. yeah. Anyway, um, so he actually died on the trail. I don't know if Luke was with him when it happened or not, but I think I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think he like fell off a cliff or something like that and, and he died doing it. Oh my god. So I was like, Oh my goodness.
0: Well anyway Stay away from this So clip. when I <laughs>
1: but this was um So anyway, when Luke was in my class, we would talk about it all the time. We had like a mutual interest in music as well. So he loved the music that I loved and stuff. And so um, that really got me thinking about it. And so I would look at, you know, shows on Netflix and stuff like that with hiking and the Appalachian Trail. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. But then years later, I mean, years went by before I actually started doing it. And I don't know what really made me do it. I I just started watching more of those videos and then I was like, well, I could do that. That'd be pretty cool. So I'd hike around Lums Pond, you know. And I thought I did the whole way around Lums Pond. You, you were with me on that trip. I think yeah. the very first time I went all the way it was around, like seven miles maybe it was or my something? second time. I think I had done it once and then you guys did it with me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It I've
0: done matter. that a couple times with you.
1: Yeah. 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 It's like seven miles around. And I thought, oh, seven miles. That was a big deal. Seven miles, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but now it's like, it's like, it's lunchtime at seven miles, you know. Yeah. On the 18, but but I don't know. I just like always like being out in the woods and stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, and I figure walking, that's better than running and getting hit by people trying to kill you and stuff. Right. You know, on a strange football field. And and plus the dog, I think I love walking with my dog because when I was in college, this guy came, Peter Jenkins, and he wrote this book, Walk Across America, and he literally did. Um, so I read that book I was so into it he had a slide presentation with all this cool music he had like James Taylor playing and you know things like that yeah. Walking Man and it just oh I was like I was like this is so cool and he walked with his dog he had a, um, he had like a husky I think and it was just so cool the stories he would tell now he wasn't walking the Appalachian Trail he was just walking and what he would do he would walk when he ran out of money he'd settle in a little town try to get some kind of job somewhere and um, earn enough money, and a lot of times people would ask him to stay with them, so he would live in their homes and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. And then he'd go to the next town, you know, until he runs out of money. And he had all kinds of stories. And I read that book, and I was like, "Oh, this is so cool." So that was always in the back of my mind too, like, you know, walking with my dog, and it just seemed so romantic. It seemed, you know, it seemed like so so cool.
0: Yeah, it's um, like freeing. It is. You know what I mean? And you do it. Yeah. I mean, you know? Oh, so. I know just at the little park it's just like it's just something different you know you just have that that companion by you and that like is just looking to you for everything Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and will do anything for you and all that kind of stuff and i think that's why people get so attached to their dogs oh yeah you know because uh because you know if like if my dog is uh their dog like like growls at her, something like, you know, they get all irritated at me and stuff. I'm like, well, (laughs) she don't like your dog. What do you want me to do? Right. You know? And there's other people that understand, you know, there's people that, um, will say, oh yeah, you get her. You know what I mean? I'm like, thank you. So I don't understand. And that's what I actually been, I haven't gone to the park in forever or done anything with my dog because, um, just other people. Right. You know? And I think she kind of feeds off me. Like, she don't like other dogs. I don't like people. So it's kinda <laughs> it kind of works out pretty <laughs> <just> well. Like,
1: <laughs> it yeah. doesn't work out, but. So my, you know, my first trip to Maryland on the AT, mm-hmm. you know, I took her and she only lasted two days. Yeah. But I it was my fault. I just feel so, I still feel terrible about that. But I didn't realize it was so rocky. Yeah, Even when I watch videos now of people walking to Maryland because I'm like, oh, I was there. I was there. It's cool. They never show this one section where it's crazy rocky, and I think that's really where she kind of tore up, you know, the, the bottom of her feet. Yeah. Um, but she walked. So we did like ten miles the first day. It was like, I got there like afternoon, so we walked ten miles that day, and then the next day I think we walked fourteen. That was my first probably double digit mile day, you know, over double digit mile day. Um, but then that next morning she woke up and she just wouldn't move. She just kept licking her paws all the time. And she, I would get up and go out uh, to the picnic table a little bit away. and mm-hmm. She would not get up and follow me because normally she's just everywhere I am. you know. Yeah. So anyway, but it was fun for a while, but no more. I'm not going to ever take her on a long Yeah, yeah She's it's... not built for that. I mean, she's too heavy. You got to have these little thin dogs. I think if I ever got a dog to walk the AT with me, maybe one of those black and white dogs. Where are they? Ah, what are they called? Like a shepherd? No. What are they... God, I can't remember. They're real rowdy, and they're they're the kinds of do tricks all yeah, the yeah. time. Oh, I forget. Anyway. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But it, they
0: also have to be like... I think she's been inside. You know, she's like a house yeah. dog. You know what but I mean? But I've
1: done so many hikes with her, like day hikes with her. Yeah, yeah. And she loves being outside. Oh, she, definitely. She just... You know how she is when she gets near the water mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And that's what I love. I just love watching her have fun, you know. Oh, yeah. But it's also a lot of extra work mm-hmm. like on a multi-day hike with right. a dog you know because for water you know I sometimes I was lucky to have enough water for me but I had to provide water for her as yeah. well so I really had to be careful but you know I had to carry extra water so I didn't have her carry the water I had her carry her own food mm-hmm. um, anyway that's the hiking thing I don't want to get too detailed because people get bored by it so <laughs> hey
0: talk, what you, talk about what you want to <laughs> talk about doesn't matter what you know, people get bored at what they're not um, privy to, like, what they're not, like, kind of into. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, sometimes I'll be talking about this, right. and they have no people have no clue what a podcast even is right. most of the time. And um, Yeah, if, so people, if
1: people even give me, like, an ounce of interest in my hiking i yeah. I go overboard though I just it doesn't like, matter I go too much you know I'm, well you know people, I'm
0: to, people will tell you when it's too much
1: yeah you know <laughs> well they'll, they'll tell me by their talking. expressions and their eye rolls and stuff like but that but you know what
0: I, I, I get know. is I have people ask me questions but then they don't listen to my answer mm-hmm. ooh that
1: I can't the look away I can't, I can't even look and this. they're talking to someone they're else like, or they're oh.
0: telling their kids something I'm just like right. why did you even ask me that right. why yeah, you know like you're making me talk when I don't want to so But that's always been a thing with me is like, uh, and this has gotten, gotten me out of my comfort zone, you know, with talking, because usually someone said something to me one time when I was in high school where I don't know what we were doing, but, um, we were brought into the gym and we were brought into these groups Mm -hmm. and it was kids that, uh, I wasn't hanging out with. I didn't really know that well. And, um, one of the people were, was um, Emily Stave, mm-hmm. and I remember. Now I, I know who it is because I remember she said it, and it sticks in my mind all the time. That she's like, "You only talk when you have something to say, mm-hmm. and when you say something, people listen." Right. I'm like that's cool. I didn't know that, that you know? Yeah. And, but then when I, when someone asks me a question, they don't listen. I'm like, wait, is she really like, (laughs) she lying? (laughs) Wait a minute. I got something to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that's what I think about a lot. And I think that was, that was one of the coolest things that was ever like said about me. Right. And the fact that I can remember that is right. That's good. That's
1: insightful on her part too. You know? Oh yeah. It's absolutely. That's someone that I don't even like, talk to like that there's a phrase out there and I can't remember what it is I'm not even going to try but it talks about that like you know people not saying much but when they do it's important it's even even in the Bible it's even in Proverbs it talks about that you know Yeah. so I think that's uh, yeah that's that's definitely a good thing because yeah there's plenty of people myself included just babble on and on you know and people just put up a wall sometimes so
0: someone could say they could talk so much but say nothing Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? I know tons of people like that. But um, so with all this stuff that you do now, what is your, do you have a motivation like that keeps you you going? Yeah, I don't want to get old.
1: That's it. (laughs) That's easy. You know, my mom and dad, you know, are like that. I mean, they're. You know, my dad's over 80. My mom's getting close to being 80. Mm-hmm. And they just, they are hard workers. Yeah. You know, they're not just sitting around doing nothing. Well, my mom is now because she's got knee surgery. And right. It's, killing it's different. It's yeah. killing her. Yeah. You know, because she wants to get out and do stuff all the time. She wants to help people. She wants to, um, to be involved in things, mm-hmm. you know, especially with church. You know, grandma and granddad are really involved in church. Yeah. They, but they're there because they want to help people, they want to do things. And, I, and that's a direct effect from my mom and dad that I just don't want to just be a couch potato. And I'd like being a couch potato from time to time. I yeah. mean that's, you know, it's nice you calm down a little bit. But um I like to be doing stuff, man. I like to I just I don't want to die. I don't want to be 90 years old and look back on my life and say I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know? I want to look back and I want to talk about my Australian rules football. I want to talk about kayaking, you know, whitewater kayaking. I want to talk about my hiking and you know, all the things. I want to talk about my photography, you know, and all the things that I've done. Mm-hmm. I um, I want to leave a legacy, I think I don't know. That's just something that's always been important to me is to to look back on my life and say, yeah, I lived. You know, there's a million things I would like to. Oops, there's a million things that I would like to do. But, um, you know, obviously I can't do everything, but I'll right. look back in my life and say, you know, I made a difference. I made a difference. And that's why I like being a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. make it, I want to look back. I want to make a difference in kids' lives. I don't want to just teach them photography. I don't want to just teach them math. I want to teach them how to live like, um, uh, Michelle Osborne and her whole group, you know, yeah, all that, yeah. um, yeah. They, they'd always say, oh, Mr. Hamrick's always teaching um, life lessons, and it's a life. It's another life lesson in Mr. Hamrick's class. Yeah. Uh, they'd always say that. And it, I think sometimes kids kind of said it a little bit mockingly, maybe a little bit. Of course. Yeah. But I don't mind that, because that's what I want to do. I want to leave more than just teaching them how to do math. I want them to think about their life. And sometimes a lot of the stuff I said just falls on deaf ears, and, you know, because I see how they do their life but at least i planted the seed you know and it's there gave them something to think about and you know i just i just don't want my life to be a waste right and i think that's my motivation i never really thought about it before until you just asked me but i think that's definitely my motivation
0: and i think you already have like left a legacy because like when you say your name like people have so many things that pop in their head or they have a memory of you you know especially being a teacher and um and trust me i'm one of the like probably the number one person that got most of those life lessons yelled at me all the time, <laughs> which I think of now, and I'm like, he was right, and he told me he was gonna be right. You know what I mean? And I'm looking back yeah, as i you, you get older, you get older, and that's exactly what happened. And now you're older. Now you're older, and you look back, and um, cause I like to look back a lot in my life, and to like how what got me to a certain place, and if if I didn't if I didn't get held back in eighth grade, I would never be here or this place, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, I think about those moments, like all the times, like I know when I was in high school, we used to butt heads, like all the time. We did. Yeah, we did. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, and it was just, it was just those things where I had my mind set on something, but then you were trying to teach me the right way, and right. I was just, I wasn't seeing it that way. Until you get older, then you see things a little different. I don't even have kids yet, right. so we just wait until yeah, that happens, and exactly. I start seeing it, you know. Right. Um, but that made me think like, what, what did you, so how did I put it? What, how would you say your childhood, say like your childhood versus the way you raised us? Like how different, did you want to raise us different than you, the way you were raised?
1: I wish I would have raised you more like I was raised. Okay. To tell you the truth.
0: Yeah. So more, I don't know if that would have worked or not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. It might <laughs> <laughs> not. Because I, I mean, I give all the credit in the world to my mom and dad. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better childhood. I really couldn't have. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think they treated me well. I mean, I saw a lot of my friends, you know, I grew up in church, obviously, mm-hmm. all the time. And um, church is very important. Not just church, but God is very important. To me. Right. And, but they didn't like beat it over my head, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas some of my friends, they kind of did, you know, a lot of them had a lot of rules they had to follow. And I saw, not my closest friends, but I saw a lot of people around me where the parents were like crazy strict on them. You know, you can't listen to this music. I mean, back in the day, I mean, people, (laughs) people, young people now have no idea what it was like in the church circles that at least I lived in, you know, it was, but my parents, they kind of abided by it, you know, because they didn't. They, they didn't want to look like rebels in the church or whatever. Right, Like, we had a pastor, and he's a great guy, a super guy, but he came in, and this is, he, he put down the rule, like, no women can wear pants, you know, and yeah. the boy's hair's got to be a certain length, and, you know, mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and it just go, it went on and on with all these tiny little rules, but... You know, you can't go to movies. I remember him coming in. We can't go to movies. So, my, you know, I used to go to the movies with my mom and dad. You know, yeah. grew up and that kind of stuff. But then it quit. So for a long period of my life, I wasn't allowed to go to movies and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it didn't, I mean, that didn't really rock my world. But it did for a lot of people. A lot of people look back on those times and the way they, they were grown up mm-hmm. that, um, you know, they really rebelled against that. And I think in the back of my mind, I don't know if this is subconscious or consciously, but... I didn't want to raise my kids, not that I was raised like this, but I didn't want my kids to be raised like super strict because right. I didn't want them to rebel against stuff that in the long run really probably wasn't that important to begin with, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I gave you guys a lot of leeway mm-hmm. and sometimes, your mom and I just talked about this the other day, sometimes I wish we might have been held a little tighter rein on you guys, but in the on the other hand, you're different than I am, you know, Right. not the same people. I mean, you're our kids, but we're all completely different, you know? And for some reason, and it's not because of me, it's not because I was a good person or anything, but I was always a rule follower. I enjoyed rules. (laughs) It it made me feel comfortable, you know, it it gave me boundaries. And I knew if I stepped off the, out of the boundary, I would have a consequence. So I was happy to be inside my fence, you know, and, and I was fine with that. And with my parents, not all the time, but in general, if my parents told me I shouldn't be doing this because this is going to happen to me, I would listen to them and I would say. Oh, we were opposite. You know, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. When you were talking before, I was about to say something. But so I don't know. I was just built that way. I don't know why. And I think my sister was. I think that was kind of mm, like that yeah. as well. Um, I wouldn't by any stretch call her rebellious, but I think she might've had a little bit of extra, you know, rebellion attitude, but not much. I mean, she was not rebellious at all. She was a good kid. And so I was fine staying inside the boundaries, but all three of you guys are not, (laughs) you know, and that's fine. Um, It took me some time, some time to deal with that, to come to terms with that kind of thing. But I think, I think I learned again, I'm not trying to puff myself up at all, okay. But I think for some reason, I learned from other people's mistakes. I saw that I saw what other people did, and I saw the consequence that they had to pay for that. And I was like, I don't want to go through that. Yeah. You know, so I'm not going to go in that direction. But all three of you guys, I think you have to experience it. Right. You have to test the workers. or maybe we push really the yeah
0: or maybe we just really didn't see other people's mistakes. Maybe. You know that's what i was thinking too
1: and you might see like i would see a situation and say well i don't let's say i don't get let's say drinking okay so okay, yeah. i would you know i'd see somebody drinking and acting the fool passed out you know on the ground or like i had, I had a friend he wasn't a close friend but I, he was in your mom's class mm-hmm. daryl he got killed by a car by a drunk driver yeah. you know and that had a big effect on me my mom even to this day, she's affected because her sister, her younger sister, got killed right. in a car accident from a drunk driver. Her mom got hurt. Her sister got her other sister got hurt in it, and it affected their lives. And she's almost eighty now; she's you know pushing eighty, right. and it still affects her to this day. So I saw the effects of drinking, and I thought, well, if I don't want to become an alcoholic, if I don't want to be a drunk driver, then I won't drink. Yeah, you know? but some people can, you know, some people can do it, and they can. Um, they can do it responsibly, right. you know. It's the PC way to say it, but mm-hmm. you know they can do it responsibly, and that's okay. But the way I look at it, I'm just not going to go to that edge, and that's one of my life lessons to my classes for years and years. You know, yeah. here's the edge. You know, if bad things happen on the other side of this this cliff, I want to stay as far away from that cliff as I could possibly get. Right. But a lot of people like to get to the cliff and look over and say, "Hey, what happens?" You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Again, I'm not it was just something just built into me. I don't think, I don't ever remember my parents talking to me about you know, drinking and all that kind of stuff. I yeah. just, I don't know. I just saw their lifestyle and I thought they're living a pretty good life. They got tons of friends They're You know, people like them, you know, and I'm like, I yeah. want to be like them, you know, Yeah. that kind of thing. But some people have to push the boundaries and that's, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. Right. They just got to experience so how you it. Learn. They got to experience it for themselves, yeah. you know? And, and it, for me, it kind of took a while to come to terms with that, mm-hmm. you know, with my own kids, because I was like, you know, we didn't raise them like that. You know, we told them, you know, there's many, many times in the car, you know, we'd always have our little life lessons on the way back and forth to school. Yeah. You know, me talking to you guys, you know, you see this person, you know, you see what happens to them, you know, you don't want to be like them. You don't want to do what they do, you know, yeah. but, you know, that's what I tried to teach. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I
0: don't know. <laughs> what I was thinking too was like my, If I ever have a kid it'll probably be like you were Not like I was You know when I'm preparing for the way I was You know, <laughs> right. know what I mean To actually like understand okay They're gonna do this so I, how do I right. Be there so I know What they're doing I know where they are doing it. You know what I mean mm-hmm. Just so if something happens They know who to call and be right. okay with that And you I know?
1: think that's the You know we've had some issues with you know, all three of you, you know, going through issues and, you know, different things. Yeah. I'm not gonna get any details, but um but your mom and I both we we've talked about this. You know, we just wanna be those parents that are there. No matter what happens to you guys, you know, we're never we're not ever gonna say you're not part of our family, we don't want anything to do with you. We're gonna always, always be there to help you guys. Yeah. So if there if you ever get in any trouble, if anything ever happens, you always have a place in our house, you know, you always can count on us. get up in the middle of the night and (laughs) rescue you and you know that kind of thing um i think that's what that's all a parent can do right now because you guys are all in your 20s now you're almost 30. so you know you just got to understand it you know and and your mom told me the other day you know i'm just you know i'm just giving the kids to god you know and letting him control it because Really, is not a whole lot at this point in our life that we could say is going to influence you guys one way or the other. You know, yeah. you just have to, even when you're kids, <laughs> there didn't seem yeah. to be much we could say. But, you know, it just, it really is just putting your hands, putting you in God's hands and just trusting him that he's going to protect you guys. And
0: Yeah, I mean, and we do the same thing. Like, if, um, I mean, me, I know me and Jeff talk about it a lot. Like, we've learned a lot as we've gotten older. And I know, like, you and mom probably see that as the way we talk and, like, what we talk about and, like, how uh, I'm very, very strong in my faith, like, at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to get there. You know, I had to go through things. I had to uh, rebel a lot and go against, um, you know, stuff that you guys were saying and other, you know, people but it got me here, Mm -hmm. you know, and now I understand a lot more and I see more clearly and I have a vision for myself. And, um, I know something you guys prayed about a lot is that I would be passionate about something. Mm -hmm. And then I found bodybuilding, you know, and then that brought me to so many different parts of this fitness, you know, industry or whatever. And, uh, helping people get fit and knowing about fitness. And then, um, now I'm trying to find out the business route, you know, right. and the supplements and, you know, so, I mean, a lot of that, you know, stems from even though you guys thought you weren't doing something, right. you really were, yeah, you know, and it just, uh, um, yeah, like I, I, really I remember
1: just, what you said yeah. to find passion about, you know, cause you remember your time, you were mm-hmm. kind of rudderless, you know, you didn't really have any direction and that kind of thing. And, um. You know, I was trying to help you out, but I had I had no idea. You know, you can't you can't instill you know passion you know into somebody else. Right. Like But I remember praying, and I remember praying specifically. Like I have no idea what it is. I don't care what it is, but I just want him to be passionate about something. You know, I want him to find something in his life, and it didn't seem like long after that. You know, you could hear the weights clanking down in the basement, you know, for hours at a time. You'd come up all sweaty and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to last long because nothing he does really last long, you know. Yeah. But that was one thing that you found. And it's one thing that I've never done in my life. I've probably lifted just a handful of weights in my whole entire life. Yeah. So you definitely didn't get that from me. You know, but, but you found a passion, you know. And it's foreign to me, but... And it's like uh, Jonathan's scooter, you know. I mm-hmm. never rode a scooter <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's awesome that you guys found a passion to do. And it doesn't have to be mine. And I think a lot of parents are upset, not upset, but maybe disappointed in their kids because they're not doing different. exactly what their parents' plan was for their life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe an advice I would give to parents of teenager kids, you know. Is, oh, yeah. You know, it's not force your view of what their life is supposed to be and just allowed to happen and it's hard it's humbling you guys all three of you guys just humbled us (laughs) you know to no end i'm sure but it's in a good (laughs) but it's in a good way because we you know you get to a certain point where a parent doesn't have any control over their kids you know very little control right and um and some parents have a hard time dealing with that because they're so control oriented and um and i am to a certain point too and it took took a lot of things you know a lot of events a lot of things happening where you know i just say god you're in control you know you take care of them there's nothing i can do and that's a humbling experience you know because i like to fix things i like if something's broken don't just talk about it whine about it do something about it get it done fix it you know yeah but you can't have that attitude when you have kids (laughs) you know because sometimes you can't fix their you know right their problems and you just have to let him go through it and I like what you said earlier you know you took a different path to your spiritual life you Mm -hmm. know as far as like I said I was always a rule follower and I think a lot of times in my life my religion was my rules Mm -hmm. you know and um, and it took me a long time to come to grips with that's not what my spiritual life should be about it shouldn't be about not doing this not doing this not doing this you know It's about a relationship with God. One hundred percent. It's about a relationship. When people tell me, "Oh, are you religious?" I was like, "No, I'm not religious." I mean, I go to church. I teach a Sunday school class. I, you know, I do all this kind of stuff, but I don't think I'm religious. I hate that that phrase, religious. Yeah, me too. For me, anyway, you know, some people are because they just they go through the routine. Routine. I don't want to go through the routine. I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus, Mm -hmm. and that's what I strive for you know i'm not there yet at all i never will be probably but that's what i try to strive for and i think you would ask me before about i don't know if you said what would i do different or whatever but we, i think i would have been more open with you guys cuz i'm kind of closed to myself yeah. on that kind of stuff i i wish that i probably would have been more open with all three of you guys you know i was thinking the other day i wish we would have had, like, nightly devotions with each other and stuff. But when you're in high school, you know, starting in high school, yeah, not you, guys cool. would have, <laughs> you guys would have, like, there's no way we're doing this, yeah. you know. But if I would have started when you were younger, you know, to make it something that was normal, that was routine, mm-hmm. that, would, you know, wasn't, like, weird, you know. I think that's the biggest thing Yeah. that I wish I would have done. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, a sermon. Right. You know? I'm not saying right. that, but maybe just time where you could sit around and just talk about things and that's one thing and just
0: make it real life yeah you know a lot of right. these devotions and stuff you can't really um like i didn't feel any connection to it yeah you know what i mean but uh but yeah when i was younger that was i just didn't i wasn't comfortable you know yeah i went to church i went to christian school i just did you know it was going through the motions right you know but i wasn't comfortable with it like people raising their hands when they're singing and stuff i wasn't feeling that right. like um and of course, when you go to camp, you know, you're in there, you're in it for a week. So like you get really yeah. big into it and I'll come back home and be into it for the weekend and then be like, no, nope, right. I'm done with that. Yeah. You know, but then um, oh, I went through that myself. Too oh, yeah. I'm sure every all the time. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure everyone that, uh, went to camps and stuff was probably going through that. But
1: but it plants a seed, though. I mean, it you know, it plants something in in your heart and in your mind where maybe it doesn't take until like years later, you know, you look back on that you like, you know I remember that and I remember how I felt or what God was saying to me back then Yeah, uh, I can still use it today you know so I don't think it's all in vain you know right and I didn't you know I didn't go to Christian school my whole life I just went 11th to 12th grade Yeah. and back then you know to public schools and back then the big deal was especially in like middle school and high school they'd always talk hey when you go to classes put your Bible you know carry your Bible with you and not just carry it with you but put it on we didn't have book bags back then we would carry anything under our yeah. arms right they say put it at hey, the top put it at the top so people Jeez. could see it we would yeah. get to a study hall you know open it up and read it and that's what we did that was that's what the youth group did for me was to challenge me to be a witness in, in high school Yeah. Um, because that was our mission field basically you know again we didn't beat people over the head but I remember plenty of times where I had to open it up in a study hall or, or at lunch or something like that and somebody hey what do you read you know because read a book whoever you know would do that and they're like, oh, yeah, it's the Bible. Like, Bible? Who reads the <laughs> Bible? You know, I thought that's just for Sunday. You know, and then it sparked conversations. You know, and so that was, and you know, I get real nervous doing that too because it was awkward. Oh, you know? yeah. And um, and you got kind of scared, you know, doing that kind of thing. But yeah. I think that strengthened me because I had, you know, I had friends that grew up in Christian schools and we went to church together and stuff, and I could see that it didn't seem like they were as strong in their faith. Like to witness to other people because everybody they knew were hearing the same things about exactly. Christianity exactly. all the time yeah but I was in a position in public school and this is weird coming from a Christian school teacher because you know I should be promoting Christian schools which I do but I think it's very very important for kids that are Christians that are going to public school right. to, to make a strong stand you know mm-hmm. and, and that, that really strengthened I think my faith is um, it's just being in a spot where there's not a lot of christians around and sometimes yeah. you're the only one and you know it's yeah and you just were
0: more you just were more comfortable i don't know if it's because of that but you were more comfortable with it at a younger age yeah I think you know so. what i mean where it took right. me till like two years ago right like because <laughs> you're not around it all the time because and, yeah. yeah you know you get thrown into the w- real world and start talking to real people that have like that are looking you for advice because they have drug problems and they want to lose weight or right. something, you know, and all those kinds of things. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a therapist, man. Right, right, I'm just your
1: trainer. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> when I, um, it was after, after high school, I got a job for Dot and I put up signs, you know, rode around in the orange trucks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And If signs get knocked down, we pick them up. And so it was not, you know, a Christian environment by any stretch. Right. I mean, there were some. know i'd been around non-christian you know people and i was fine with them i had good friends you know and no problem with them but these guys were tough you know they're much older than i was you know and um and they they lived a worldly life you know and uh, so i kind of you know i kind of got close to them and stuff but i would carry a little a tiny new testament in my back pocket and then once in a while we would take a break or something and i'd read it and then one year they called me like preacher man all the time no. i never I, repre- I never preached Preach, to them. Right. i never just had it right. i just had it with me and but it's so funny though that when they had times of crisis in their life i was a you. kid i was just out of high school <laughs> and they would come to me right because they saw something they saw a serious about something and mm-hmm. i think people see something you know in you know people of faith mm-hmm. and you know, you can still have fun with them and all that kind of thing, but I think they see a seriousness. I think, you know, people know that God is the way. I think in the back of their mind or in their heart, they know it. Right. You know, and then when it comes down to it, when it comes to having real issues and problems, yeah. that's who they go to.
0: Of course, because you know? in times of tragedy, look who everyone goes to. Oh, yeah.
1: pray for me. Pray exactly. prayers and
0: condolences. Right. You know, after nine eleven, everyone, you know, people, um, what do they say, like, the best day was nine twelve or something right. like that because it was. The next there was different. You could just, feel it. Yeah,
1: you, you absolutely could feel it. Yeah, you and go out recently when store. Kobe died,
0: it was the same thing. Yeah. Everyone's like coming together, right. you know, and looking towards Oops. God and all this kind of stuff. And uh, even with me, people, um, oh, can you pray for so and so? I'm like. Why can't, like, you can too? Yeah, right. You know, just because I'm doing it is not going right. to make it any different. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? But they just think, like, if I do it, it's going to help more. Right. Or something. You know? But uh, I guess I'll just wrap it up right there. It was good. All right. It was good. How long long you go? uh, How good? I appreciate hour we 14. Wow. It was good. <laughs> that was quick. I know. It goes fast. Oh,
1: well, you're a good interviewer.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I try. But thanks for coming on. Alright Benjamin. <laughs> Alright Dad. Alright, see you everyone.